And I assume you know who we are. You're on the bench. <laughs> but Warren, if you heard of us, you probably heard we ain't in the prisoner taking business. We in the transfer portal business. And cousin businesses are booming. <laughs> oh yeah. Welcome to On The Bench. I'm your host for today's episode. Well, yes, I am the host. I'm taking it back over. Tired of Chris and Zach doing a better job than me hosting it. This is a re-hostile takeover, hostile retakeover. I'm Brendan Sinone. I'm Sinone, Matt. Good job making it awkward like 25 seconds in. I am caffeinated. This is going to be a like a coked out frenzied podcast (laughs) with so much information. Let's go, and yeah, and so this is lightning this round. Fire. I am I am the man to lead us into this battles. And all right, let's start off. FSU got a commitment on Wednesday evening from Daryl Jackson. The first domino in the transfer portal market to fall for FSU will certainly not be the last. It will it's a chain reaction kind of thing happening here. He came from Miami, originally from Maryland, his first year, and he's a native of North Florida. So uh, we will get into what is game looks like why this is a significant take for fsu this is a big one but zach i'll, I'll throw this to you first because you covered the hell out of this recruitment uh, how, how did this all happen and how did this all transpire yeah well i spoke to um daryl after he entered the portal um and got kind of a pre-write uh about his commitment to florida state um, it was a quick decision um, and i think largely the, the reason why he entered the portal was because Florida State was the only place that made sense for him um, considering his situation. Uh, if you guys don't know, he already made a transfer in his career from Maryland to Miami last offseason. So for him to be able to play again um, or play immediately, um, because the NCAA has a rule where you have a one-time transfer to to be immediately eligible, eligible to play in that following season. So if, if he had gone to any other school, it's unlikely he would have had uh, you know, a waiver to be able to play. But because Tallahassee is close to home for him, he played high school ball at Gadsden County, um, you know, and lived in Quincy, Florida, which is about 30 minutes away from Tallahassee. Um, th- there's a situation going on with his mother. Um, th- she's going through a medical situation right now. And that's a large reason as to why Daryl wants to come home. Um, as he told me in that in that interview on No. 24-7, he is going to seek a hardship waiver from the NCAA to be immediately eligible to play in the 2023 season. Um, and I think it's pretty likely that he gets that. I mean, it's pretty much the the only reason, or one of the main reasons why he transferred and a large reason why he came to Florida State. Um, he also gets to reunite with his former high school teammate, defensive lineman Joshua Farmer at FSU. Um, so, that, so that was a big plus. He talked about how excited he is to, to kind of team up with him on the same defensive line. Um, Daryl's a, a really you know, nice prospect. I think uh, his measurables are, are pretty out of the out of you know out of the water. Like the um, the wingspan. Um, sorry, Brendan, you're so annoying. I hate you. Um, the, <laughs> Zach's le- leaking confidence, and I'm enjoying it because that's typically the, what uh, I do. The wingspan, um, the hand size is, it, from what I understand, is like uh, would have been probably tops of last year's uh nfl combine 
um, based on some stuff I read from from his transfer to Miami last offseason. Kid show. Uh, I think a seven foot two wingspan and eleven inch hands. Um, so pretty impressive. Uh, but if you look at his production, um, he, he was he was one of the you know more impressive pieces for Miami uh, in a not impressive year for them, obviously. Um, their defensive line was probably their strength of the, their entire team, and he was one of the, the stars of that D-line, um, kind of manning it up on the inside for them. And I expect you know, that to continue at FSU. I expect him to be an interior guy for them and kind of fill in probably um, you know, a lot of what, what Robert Cooper did you know, some, some of, you know, maybe what Fabo did if he leaves. Um, but c- could you imagine if Fabo stays and you get to keep him and Daryl, that would, that would be awesome. Um, Brendan, I guess for you, uh, what do you think about, uh, his game? You did a little scouting report on Noel 24 seven. So just kind of, what do you, what's your evaluation of Daryl? Uh, you mentioned the, the arm length. I think that's what stands out right away. I mean, he's six foot six and you see how he uses his arm length to, to win, uh, both in the pass rush, like to get, uh, to, he does a really good job of keeping offensive linemen uh, their arms away from from his body. Sometimes when you have long arms, like if you don't play with leverage and people get under you, like they can control uh, and and dictate terms. But he uses his length to his advantage and does it fairly consistently. And then there's a strength and power that comes afterwards, like where he's able to to push back an interior lineman and really dictate terms on the pass rush. He's not like super explosive and twitchy, but there are some times like when he gets out in space where you, one, you see the arm length again, help him kind of cut down like rush lanes for a quarterback that's trying to scramble. And you do see some really nice glimpses of like a fluidity at that size. He's pretty good against the run as well. Someone who's pretty early on in his development will only continue to get better uh, at minimum. Like this is a, if, if Jarrett Jackson was supposed to be your third defensive tackle this past season, but was hurt and was like that you know, six foot six frame, big guy who can kind of play one tech or three tech. Uh, Daryl Jackson is a sizable upgrade from that. So that, that's at a minimum. Uh, if he develops as you think he can, then then he's an instant starter and, and someone who will contend for like all ACC honors, maybe as early as this season. Uh, Chris, in terms of like fit for FSU and, uh, I, I guess just like significance of addressing that position that early on, this early on in the recruiting cycle, how big was this for FSU? Well, I think you saw uh, kind of a domino effect by the fact that FSU got Jackson. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere in the sense of it fell in your lap. You got 6'6", 300-pounder, 27 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, three sacks this past year in Miami. So a guy, you know, can do at this level against ACC-type competition. You're getting him. You see FSU move on from a guy like Derek Hunter, for example. I think that speaks to the fact that it feels a very big need for them. You guys mentioned Love It. Cooper's obviously departing the roster. So this is a guy that comes in and gets into that mix with Malcolm Ray, Josh Farmer, Daniel Lyons, and those young D-tackles they really like in that room. And obviously, I think they're going to try to add one more, especially if Fabian Lovett does depart, which at this point I still think he will, even though it's not as you know matter-of-fact as it once seemed. So, yeah, it's a very good addition for FSU. It's what they needed, and uh, it's an excellent start to a transfer class that I expect to be pretty good. So we will get into more transfer portal and recruiting talk in the back half of the show. Uh, First, let's get to some comings and goings on the roster, some retention. I think the big news in the last day or two was that Trey Benson was retained. He will be back at Florida State for another season. So this will be his fourth year of college football, second season with FSU. And the running back is, 
he what he did in the back half of the season was incredible uh, and he ended up let's see i got the numbers in front of me actually i don't have them in front of me here so i'm pulling them up but he ended up being just one of the most like explosive efficient running backs in the country for fsu and you really saw him get more and more comfortable as the season went on this is a guy who we had heard there was a chance he was coming back when we talked about jordan travis uh returning like that's why this was such a, a big deal was like he would having J Trav in, in the boat would make it fun to come back to FSU for other players. And Trey Benson, even though he's at a position where it's usually good to go pro or as early as you can, because the wear and tear running back has, there's a shelf life that that's, that's more finite than other positions. Um, I did a really good job talking and kind of making sense while I was pulling up the stats there. I'm really impressed with myself. So per PFF, Trey Benson, this past season, or I guess the season's still ongoing. He's first nationally in yards after contact per carry with 4.76. Think about that. Four, four, four and a half yards after after contact per carry. He's fourth in missed tackles, forced with 77. He's eighth on runs of 15 plus yards with 22. Uh, think about that too. He doesn't get a ton of touches either. For him to be in the top 10 is is pretty big damn deal. And his breakaway rate, is first among power five running backs third nationally. So um yeah guys this is this is a big one. Yeah so FSU now has Jordan Travis top passer coming back obviously the engine of the offense Trey Benson top rusher coming back Johnny Wilson's expected to come back rising spear announcement a couple weeks before the conclusion of the regular season kind of signified that much of that receiver room appears to be returning obviously they lose Pokey Wilson as his eligibility was exhausted on the offensive line, you have Robert Scott announced that he's coming back. Marie Smith is clearly coming back with the battle's end announcement for him here recently. You know, you're probably losing your two starting guards. Dylan Gibbons obviously definitely gone. We've heard there's a little bit of wiggle room possibly with uh, Meech, but at the end of the day, probably he ends up, you know, exhausting eligibility as expected. Yeah. I guess there's a waiver possibility, but it seems a little far-fetched. I don't expect it to happen. I don't think FSU's planning as though it's going to The happen. way they're recruiting guys in the portal makes you think that they're taking multiple interior linemen. And then at the other tackle spot, you got Darius Washington expected to return. Bless Harris expected to return. So you're returning four capable starters at the top six of your offensive line next year. You're also recruiting at a high level, both in the high school and the portal ranks for your offensive line. So you're expecting that group to improve. So you look at the FSU offense and what it potentially can be next year, and you feel really, really good about it. Returning experience, guys that understand the system, guys that know how to execute the system, guys who play well together, guys who have rhythm and feeling for one another, especially in the passing game with their quarterback. That means a whole heck of a lot. And then in the running game, you know that room's going to be good regardless of if it does shake out a little bit with somebody maybe departing because there's only so many carries to go around. Because you know you got Benson at the top. Rodney Hill's announced with the battles end. You know you got him coming back. You expect probably at worst to split the difference with the two guys that fall in the depth chart in between those two guys. So, yeah, the offense feels very, very good. If you look at the transaction season that's happened so far for FSU since the conclusion of the Florida game, the vast majority of it is guys who were relatively non-contributing depth pieces or guys whose roles had become uh, decreased in their time at FSU. Amari Gaynor kind of fell out of sorts at linebacker. You got your top two linebackers back in Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach. Uh, Sidney Williams, a guy who, you know, hats off to him. He took on a role this year of changing positions and mainly being a special teams player, and he did his best with it. That's a credit to a young man. But at the same time, that's a previous starter who now was not a starter. He's going to move on, find a different place to play. And then you got guys like Rod or Lloyd Willis who 
kind of fell through the cracks on the offensive line, didn't develop as maybe you had hoped, and you've recruited all of them. So you're moving on. That's a matter of opening up space to sign potentially 25 to 30 guys in a class, and that's just a matter of how business is done these days. Did you go over all the guys? Sorry, I was uh, trying to pull Byers and Owens uh, and get stuff. I, I don't know that I covered everybody. I mean, secondary, we haven't really had any transactions there yet. I still think there'll probably be some action there in the sense of a guy or two potentially departing just because it's a crowded room. Sam McCall's obviously departed and now officially in the portal finally, but that happened a couple weeks ago, so that's oh. not sort of a surprise. Linebacker, uh, I don't think we've talked. We talked about Cannon Deloach coming back. I mentioned Bethune. Of- I okay. said that the top two, and, and in fact, the top three are expected back because Lundy's your next guy up. And mm-hmm. when I wrote about Bethune coming back, I pointed out the fact that I think that's three of our top four tacklers are returning. Jamie Robinson's the top tackler on the team. He's obviously expected to go pro. You're losing that, but then you got the next three up. So again, you've got carryover effect of a good defense that kept getting better with the guys that very much strengthened the room that a year ago was a massive weakness at linebacker. You feel really, really good that Tatum Bazoon, Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy, a guy like even Omar Graham, who you expect to step up as he continues to get more cultured in the system. You know that room's going to be good, and it's now going in a very good direction. Uh, let's see. George Wilson entered the transfer portal. Not a yep. big surprise there. Um Offensive line, Lloyd. I'm just going down uh, the list here. Offensive line, Lloyd Willis and Rod Orr both entered the transfer portal. Not a big surprise there. Rod Orr is just someone who was kind of stuck on the scout team, got leapfrogged, had a lot of upside, just didn't really materialize to anything while at Florida State. We'll see if he can can channel that somewhere the next step. Kentron Portier announces that he's coming back, signing with Battles End. So, yeah, and then, and also it's worth noting that Jordan Travis did did announce that he's signing with the battles end uh, and it wasn't released the same amount uh, at the same time that he announced he was coming back. But that is a noteworthy development as that, as that new collective, that new entity is, is looking to garner trust in a very short period of time with this fan base. And you understand that people can be very skeptical of things in the NIL landscape. It just changes so fast, so fluidly, so quickly. Uh, they are doing a remarkable job of, of using NIL opportunities for player retention on a good team. And yeah, and is, it came out swinging. I mean, day one, Deloach was sort of the first announcement. I think JT originally was expected to be the first, but things work out the way they work out. JT was a big one the next day. So the first day you have Deloach followed by Patrick Payton, all ACC, I'm sorry, ACC defensive rookie of the year. And then you have the defensive backs who were primarily your starters down the stretch, Bernardo Green, Jerry, and Jones. Mm-hmm. Those were a couple of the first ones. JT was the next big one. Then we saw the next wave of guys like Marie Smith and Robert Scott and Tron and those types. Let's see. So I have a little bit of, of intel on some names. Like I'm, at this point, most of the most of the guys that we've expected to hit the portal have hit the portal. Maybe there's a few lingering there and got to see how, how things go the next few days. And most of the guys that we were expecting to return or thought could return have returned. Uh, I think the big the big three names now that I'm monitoring for the next week or month are going to be one defensive end Jared Verst, two defensive tackle Fabian Lovett, and three running back Trayshawn Ward. Yeah. Uh, with Jared Verst, a lot of people are asking Chris like when draft grades come back, and I think with Jared Verst that's going to be a pretty important piece of the puzzle for him. I don't think that's until like at the earliest late December, like official draft grades. So you guys are getting intel all year long, right? From from uh, NFL 
scouts or, or managers talking to people at Florida State, and they're always passing along, like, this is what we're hearing. Got to be honest, transparent with that stuff. But you actually get that official grade. I think it's like in a probably three weeks or so. Um, so with Jared Verse, that'll matter with him there. Uh, Fabian Lovett. Listen, I, I, two weeks ago, I thought there was 0% chance. I can confidently say that it's well above 0% now and that there are at least talks about him potentially returning to FSU. I still would lean as of right now recording this on Friday morning. I don't think he will end up back at FSU. I'd put it like maybe at a 40% chance, but but you have you have a chance at him. And the idea of that even happening to me is like overwhelming, like what that would mean for you next year. Leadership. Uh, what he does on the field, like that, that elevates the expectations that are already getting pretty high at Florida State, even even higher. And then, and then finally, Trayshawn Ward. We've talked before, like it's just it's a crowded backfield with what you have, especially with Trey Benson coming back. I hope it's not Trayshawn Ward being the odd man out, but he's someone who is draft eligible. He's someone who, if he wanted to go be RB one somewhere, like he would have a shot at that. Uh, and we just got to see what happens. I mean, he's he is a such a good culture fit for FSU. But um, also you have to understand, like, you again, like with Trey Benson, running back has a finite shelf life and you have to make the most of your opportunities while you're in your your early 20s. So, um, yeah, those are the names I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, anything else with transaction that we want to get into before moving on to buyer Sinone? There's going to be a couple more. Um, I don't want people to take what Snow just said as uh, those are the only three that could happen. There's going to be some other shakeouts between, you know, them landing transfers potentially and that resulting in guys realizing, oh, man, I just fell behind somebody else. So they hit it. So there will be some more. They return to practice today, today being Friday this evening. They practice Friday, Saturday and Sunday of this weekend uh, towards bowl game. Obviously, I'll be doing some accounting because heck, I love accounting. You do love it's what my parents wanted me to be. I'm sorry I disappointed you, mom and dad. Your dad, um, your dad, your dad. Uh, side side note: Chris's dad listens to the podcast sometimes and refers to me as the guy who quote unquote thinks he's funny. Yes, he does. In fact, you're correct. He's so you're right. De- about you're, de- you're definitely your father's son. I am, um, in a family full of accountants. So uh, yeah, so I'll be doing some accounting, seeing who's there, seeing what's going on. So we'll keep monitoring it, but. You know, I, I don't think there'll be any seismic shifts beyond what Sinon just encapsulated. Yeah. Th- those are those are the hi- the highlights. The uh, yeah, those are those are the highlights right now for FSU. All right, let's get into buyer Sinon. Hey, Chris, if you have to leave at any point during this, I know you have a lot of, of balls you're juggling today. Good show. Uh, if you have to run, just let us know and and we'll we'll keep plugging along. But moving along here, moving along. So buyer Sinon is sponsored by. The Turner, the Turner group. group. Let's go. We want to thank Colin Turner, Amy Turner, the the tag team of FSU grads doing amazing work in the realty market in Central Florida. They can help you out anywhere if you're in the state of Florida. Listen to this, and I know most of our podcast listeners are in FSU or in FSU in Florida, in Florida State, right in the state of Florida. Um, sorry, Colin. But it, listen, if you're in the market, if you're going to be in the market, if it's something you're exploring, please give Colin Turner a call first before you go anywhere else, especially if you don't like know where to even start with this process. He is trustworthy. He is energetic. He will work really hard for you. And he's a null. And he's super excited to talk about what FSU is doing right now. So even if you just want to call and bug him and be like, yo, man, FSU recruiting trail pretty good. You can call him at 407 403 
888-888-8546 or email him at get started at the Turner All right, let's get into buyers to know. We had a lot of really good ones in a very short amount of time because we are pushed for time today. I only got like five here, fellas. I apologize. I critiqued you for what you did last week with, with buyers to know because they weren't great. Uh, you guys came strong today and I appreciate that. So let's start off with TR, TR, TR Noel, buyers to know. Transfer portal recruiting is more exciting to cover than high school recruiting. You it's guys, high you, school recruiting. It, I'll buy it because it's high school recruiting, which it's 18 to 24 month process for the most part, smacked in about 18 to 20 days. Do, do you see how I'm, do you hear how I'm talking right now? Do you see what my face looks like with the gray? Uh, this is stressful slash super exciting uh, and amazing to cover. It, it's a blur. It's fun. It, it's like a horse race uh, that, that is going down the final stretch. It, it, yeah, it's like the Kentucky Derby that started in the final the final lap. Does that make sense? Awesome. And I'm, I'm not trying to diminish what FSC is doing in the high school ranks, but they've been a better transfer portal recruiting crew than high school recruiting crew today. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I, I'm buying that. I love uh, portal coverage for us, at least. It's it's a lot of fun because you know you don't have this long drawn out process of. Uh, you know, the building room of relationships for years, which is awesome through the high school ranks. I mean, that that's how you land guys. But, you know, portal guys are looking for an immediate destination because a lot of them are trying to get on campus in January. So the month of December becomes this, you know, frenzy of, of guys visiting and, and Florida State making offers and doing in-home visits. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to cover, I know, from at least from my point of view. This comes from PC, P Seminole. PC Seminole. Boy, I'm struggling. Buyers to known recruiting through the transfer portal as it currently stands is not unsustainable. So it is sustainable. So at least talking about FSU specifically, right? On this, can they continue to sustain building through the transfer portal as they have with an average of 10 guys per class? Uh, right. I'll, I'll throw this to you, Chris. Buyers to known. I'll buy it. I uh, I used to sell it, um, but I'm buying it these days. I used to think it was so a mercenary. It. I used right. to think it was a mercenary way of going and that it wouldn't work long term, but the culture here in a large part got flipped because of a lot of guys that came via the transfer portal. So I think it's a credit to the staff knowing how to evaluate the guys both on and off the field. Bye. I mean, I've been on this point for a while. I think Florida State has the sustainability to be able to do this. Um, I don't know what it is about this staff. You know, they're not an elite group at recruiting the high school level. But man, do they hit on transfer portal guys? Um, they've only, you know, shown that over the past two uh, seasons, uh, you know, going portal hunting. And I think this season is it could be their most fruitful. Um, you know, early on, it just looks it looks really impressive as to who they're who they're in on and who they're hosting on visits. It's it's real fun to to watch. And it's, it's funny. not hot air. Look at the all ACC teams, FSU's representatives, where they came from. 30 transfers FSU has taken in three seasons, off seasons under Mike Norvell. 13 have made all ACC teams, a couple of them twice. So, I mean, that's... An absurd hit rate. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's special. 50% oh. all-conference hit rate. And some of the others were contributors that still helped you. Yeah, and and you also, like, some guys who... Like, Bless Harris is probably an all-ACC honorable mention guy if he starts every game this season doesn't get hurt. I mean, that's... Pretty much every other offensive lineman you had that played consistently got that. So um, when Mike Norvell was at Memphis, Juco recruiting was huge for them. And I was always kind of curious, like how that would translate over to Florida State, because you're at Memphis, like you're recruiting from a different talent pool and you're in a different you know, spot in the pecking order. And also Memphis, like you can 
I'm trying to think of how to say this the right way. A- academically, there's a different set of criteria too that, that Memphis. You can get guys that have had some great issues before, I think. So, so it it was fine to to go to the JUCO ranks early and often. That just that that was a pool you could swim in uh, consistently. And I was wondering like how that skill set would translate over to Florida State. I didn't know if it would be super valuable to school here, and it hasn't been. But I think the ability to relate to guys who are a little further along in their in their process uh the ability to evaluate and do deep dives on not just high school players but but then uh, guys who've been developed a little bit but maybe to see like how much further can they get along like that's that has carried over to the transfer portal and we've seen the staff be super comfortable swimming in those waters uh one reason why i'm going to buy this as sustainable a year or two ago i was super hesitant whether culturally you could keep taking in free agents for lack of a better phrase and, and have uh, continuity and togetherness, cohesiveness uh, as a team. Uh, Mike Norvell's done a phenomenal job establishing culture. I mean, guys like Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson last year were culture setters. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, even though he wasn't what you wanted to be on the field was helpful in pushing the guy like Jordan Travis and, and getting him to be more confident in himself. So like, they've they've done a tremendous job sifting through personalities and getting guys who are not just good fits from from a personnel player's perspective but as people uh, and then one one last point i want to make here too that i think that like people don't talk a lot about with with transfer portal coverage and that's if you get a player to transfer in you don't have to worry about them transferring out most of the time for at least a couple years so you can coach them harder than you can coach a a true freshman who you bring in in your class. You don't have to worry about a Sam McCall type of thing happening. Like, Hey, I didn't get playing time or it just didn't go the way I wanted to. And then, and then you wasted that time of development. Um, no, instead you're able to, to really ramp up in the way you're able to push buttons and make them really uncomfortable and, and stress them out in some ways, whether you're putting like on the two deep at certain points in the off season or, or just not worrying about hurting their feelings, I guess. I think that's, Chris, do you remember? I think I think it was either you or Berg used to say like sometimes you want to be the second school a player commits to, not the first one for certain. Yeah, certain type of cat. we always talk about South Florida kids that way. Another thing on that point is I've had a coach tell me in the last year or so, high school kids tend to make emotional decisions even when it's a business decision. Transfer kids are solely making a business decision. They are going to a place where they intend to play. Is it going to prepare me to play? Is it going to make me better? Is it going to get me to whatever I want that next step to be, whether it's a certain degree or going to the next level or whatever it is? So it's more business-like. I don't think the messaging from FSU is all that different for a high schooler versus a transfer. It's pretty much you're going to have to come here. You're going to have to work, what we're trying to do. Uh, They're pretty consistent with what they're telling people in both capacities. I just think it applies differently to a guy who's already been in a college game and kind of, the you know, the BS window of it all has come and gone for them versus a high schooler who almost has to be not de-recruited necessarily, but it, there's a transition period for anything going from high school to college. Yeah, Mike Dravel super direct, and yeah, I think that can maybe sometimes land differently for different people, and typically uh, maybe a 21-year-old might might have had some life experiences that a 17-year-old hasn't to where that that doesn't it doesn't resonate the same way. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think you guys hit on a lot of great points there. And I think Thank you. a lot of times when, when transfers come in, I think they're a little bit more open to the tough coaching, right? It didn't work out at the first stop. So they're trying to make it work and, and trying to kind of 
you know, revive their careers. That's what FSU has done so well with a lot of these transfers is you know, they haven't been amazing or, or all-conference guys at their previous stops, and they become you know some of the top players in the ACC. So um, I think a lot of those guys are really open to coaching um, and, and tough coaching at that. I think a, a good example is, is what Alex Atkins does with his offensive linemen. He's really tough on them, but he breeds, you know, excellence out of them. And and we saw that this season. They they looked like a better, more competent unit for the first time in I don't know how long. So um, I think uh, it's really impressive what what FSU's done, and and I really like um, how they handle you know the transfer portal. And I think like what Brendan was saying, you know, with, with guys like that, uh, you get out of the portal. Um, other than you know the the rare occurrence of, of a guy leaving to go get a, like a hardship waiver or something, it's you know them leaving is not really a a thing that happens you know that often anywhere. And I think you see that even at you know the G five level, the FCS level, a lot of these coaches are preferring transfers over high school players because of that reason. Let's see, by or Sinone. All right, so this one I, we don't have to get we don't have to answer this in actual by or Sinone fashion, fellas. But I think it's something to discuss. H A I E two eight. It's a great screen name. Uh, to date, Byers known Battle's End has been more efficient than Rising Spear. So people are going to want to pick sides, and I and I think I understand the innate like why you want to. They're both I think working for the same goal. They, yeah, or at least I, a I similar say, goal. Yeah, I would say Byers End or Byers End. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Byers Sinone End. I like it. Guys, um, we will take NIL. Battle's uh, End has done a good job with messaging and being direct and also coming out swinging and PR, winning PR, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, you know, I think that's a department that Rising Spirit can be a little bit more effective at. But yeah, don't pick sides. Support, whether it's Boosters, Battle's End, Rising Spear, whatever it is, given some form or fashion or multiple fashions if you still can afford and help the place out. Like that's yeah. what matters in the end. Don't pick a side. And I think. I mean, let it play out. I know people want to rush to a conclusion. Like, just see what feels right to you, right? That's part of it. I think Battle's End has done a, an amazing job so early on here in showing that they're they're in it to win it and that they're going to be football focused. And you know, I, I'm not I'm not here. It's not our job to endorse one or the other. I mean, I don't think that's that's something that we should be doing uh, as we try to cover FSU as objectively as possible. Um, it's good to have options, and I think the Battle's End has done a phenomenal job early on here like it's been impressive to see uh what what they've done but you know take your time see what, see what you like and and make a decision from from there guys i think that's the way to go uh let's see this is from coach ab i've heard of that guy before buyers to know there's value in bringing in two defensive tackles in the transfer portal even if fabian lovett returns so i think he's getting out of braid i think he likes Braden fisk is what what's happening here are we including daryl jackson in that number two yes yeah he's already now? Uh, Daryl Jackson is already in there. So adding one more defensive tackle is what I interpret that question does. Yeah, I'm down for it. It's a position. Big bodies get beat to hell. It's the natural order of being an offensive or a defensive lineman. If there's a really good one who can help you, yeah, go get it. The worst thing that happens is you lose somebody else in the mix who maybe you didn't want to lose. But if you value a guy enough, go and get him. That's the thing is you do have Josh Farmer and Daniel Lyons, Aobami Tafasi, like some really young, Malcolm promising Malcolm. Well, Malcolm Roy's not young, but you do like Malcolm Ray with what you have uh, and what he can do situational. Dennis Briggs, I feel like he's become a forgotten man sometimes. Um, Braden Fisk can rush the quarterback and he has a hundred, hundred QB pressures in his career. 
And you see the way he's used at Western Michigan. He's sometimes put on the edge. He's rushes inside. So if you're getting someone like that, that has this malleability slash production factor, then yes, you, you take good players and you figure out ways to use them. FSU will never say no to a good pass rusher. They will never say no to a good cornerback. That is how Adam Fuller will operate in player, uh, player retention or player addition. So I think that's. Yeah. Mike Norvell saw Fisk yesterday morning, Thursday morning. So I think that speaks to FSU's interest. AB also bonus Byersonone. We'll wrap up this segment. Byersonone, this is the most fun you guys have had covering the team since 2013. Zach, you haven't been covering the team since 2013. You were probably like 10 years old then. Um, 13 <laughs> years old. Okay. Oh, 13 and 13. An old 13, though. Very old. I, he, he is an old soul. So. Zach, though, the, in your time here, you haven't been able to enjoy a lot of uh, – you've kind of been, honestly, I think a curse to this program, but maybe that's turning around How come now. we're doing well now? Mm, Dane. Okay. Who, Danny? I think it was because Newberg left. No one can see us nodding our heads snarkily. Answer the question, Zach. Or talk about the talking point. Do something. Right. This, is mean, an audio, this is an audio medium. Yeah, you guys are the ones shaking your heads uh, on an audio medium. Um, what? Yeah, I, I mean it's it's an exciting time. Um, I, I'm I know this past week has been a lot of fun for us to cover. You know, we love bringing bringing the Knowles twenty four seven subscribers good news. Um, so yeah, I mean at least in my experience, it's a buy. Um, there hasn't really been you know other than like I feel like that that summer. The off season before B Tech against Willie Taggart or for the Willie Taggart elite era, pretty, lies. That elite was, no, but that, elite that was pretty lies. Crazy. But it wasn't just lies. It wasn't. <laughs> they were they had legit momentum. That man. Saturday Night Live. You couldn't have told me that. Like, oh, I'm like hey, they're getting everyone, dude. They had um Nicobe yeah. Dean saying like FSU is his top school. Like coming, George Pickens was there. Like these are like all NFL guys. Yeah, and then VTech happened. Avon we served, and we all we all died by halftime. So yeah. yeah, well, that was a fun time to cover before <laughs> that game. So, but no, but this is fun, um, and this is legit momentum, not not anything fake. Shout out Manny Diaz, but I uh, but I think uh, Manny Diaz as Chris. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I got a point real quick, and, and I'll let Chris uh, take this here because Chris has seen some great times. He's seen some bad times. He's been doing this longer than any of us. Uh, unsolicited advice for our listeners: enjoy the hell out of this time, this window, because to me, like this is the most fun part of covering a program or or following a team that you are passionate about is watching the come up, is watching the ascension, the climb, if you will, uh, seeing a team gel and start adding pieces and you don't know where that's going to lead if it's all going to work out or not but in many ways this feels like a team that like nfl teams will do this feels like this this feels like the the la rams last off season going in and we're getting everyone we're going to trade for matt stafford we're going all in we're a couple pieces away this feels kind of like that and again we don't know what the expectations will become higher for fsu next season and that's a good thing but try to enjoy like Things are moving in a good direction. Take a step back, have fun with it. Uh, Cause I'm having, I, I'm enjoying the hell out of this time right now. And just be so many of these buyers to know questions about will FSU win an ACC championship in 2023? Will they contend for a national title? I don't know guys. Like we, we don't know the answer to that. We know they're getting better. We know that they're going to have a chance to start winning even more games than they won this past season. And, and, and that's fun. Enjoy it while it's happening. So to answer the question simply, yes. 
to answer it a little bit more in depth, I went into this year with a form of anxiety because not in the sense of like, I'm going to do my job any which way. I've covered this team in any form and every form of fashion imaginable. imaginable. I've seen them win national titles. I've seen them Billy win any games. I've seen everything in between. I've seen good. I've seen bad. I've seen ugly. So that's kind of indifferent. I've enjoyed it a heck of a lot because one, I like guys I work with and that's not a knock on anybody I previously worked with, but we've kind of kicked ass and taken names and it's been very enjoyable to do. And, uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed watching Zach take it and run with it. Zach's awesome at what he does. I've enjoyed Dane and how he's like a little football savant and he's good at this. And it's kind of funny because like, I feel like he just is floating out there and then suddenly he locks in and goes and Brennan's a pro's pro. So, you know, I love him. We got other great guys with Kev, AB, Trey being the MC. You know, Greg and Travis deserve mention for what they do for us as photogs. They work their backsides off for little to no return, but they're great dudes. They're my friends. They do a hell of a job. So I very, very much have enjoyed this year with how we've just gone about our business. From an FSU team perspective. Wait, real quick, Chris, have you, can you say that we've slayed? Chris is just throwing around slay all the time now. I can't wait for Miss Nee to hear him say that. Um, from a team perspective, they're on the cusp of potentially something pretty special, and that's really fun to watch. Not saying it happens. There's a whole lot of things that got to come together. Some of it's luck, a whole lot of it's talent, a whole lot of it's just things going the right way when you need them to go the right way. But they're getting there. The fact that they came out of that bye and they closed out the year as they were supposed to, as they should, as they needed to, and they went and did that, then yeah. Go ahead, enjoy the moment because they are at a point where the potential for them to do something special next year exists. They have to take back the ACC. They have to finally go and beat Clemson. They're not far off from it. They're a hell of a lot closer today than they were 12 months ago and certainly a heck of a lot closer than they were 24 months ago. They beat both in-state opponents. They showed they can beat anybody out of conference. They're the only team, I think, in the country that beat two SEC teams this year in the regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but if they're not, they're one of like two or three. That's an impressive feat. FSU is getting back to where it's supposed to be, and yes, enjoy it. Because if anything we've learned since, what, 2016-17, it can go away and it can become quite miserable. So enjoy the good moments and definitely enjoy the come up. Chills. Nicely, nicely done. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. Thanks to Colin Turner and the Turner Group for sponsoring this segment. Uh, when we come back, we have a ton of recruiting information to get to. Welcome back to On the Bench. We're going to go down the full the full rundown of official visits coming up this weekend. Uh, but before we do that, Chris has to go in a minute. He is going to do his uh, robotic machine gun type of firing off the hip here and just read out some of the in-home visits FSU has conducted that are noteworthy in the last couple days. Chris, take it away, buddy. So I'm going to work in reverse order. So we're starting with today, Friday, December 9th. I believe right now Mike Norvell is in Clearwater visiting with Lucas Simmons. I'm trying to get that 100% confirmed, but that was the expectation as of yesterday, according to Simmons. And I believe their travels from yesterday when they were in South, South Florida, Vero Beach, and then possibly Miami took them then to Clearwater. So yesterday they saw a bunch of people again working in reverse order. They saw Dre Jacobs last evening. They may have seen somebody else last night, but we're not 100% sure on that. Something we're still chasing. Earlier in that day, they saw Braden Fisk, which means they were in uh, basically Indiana slash very southern Michigan. So it's just crazy the travels they've put together. They went from there 
to in the middle of the day, they went to Columbia, South Carolina, seeing Jaheim Bell, and then they end up in South Florida seeing Drake Jacobs. It just kind of speaks to the work ethic of what they've done. Uh, prior to that whole Thursday motion, Wednesday saw him see Cam Robinson, an official visitor for this week, and a guy that they've kind of started really pushing for, it seems. Very talented cat. So that's in Virginia. Uh, day before, they're all the way out west. They see Blake Nicholson out in California. And surrounding that, they also went to Marvin Jones Sr. College Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony with NFF. Michael Alford and Mike Norvell both went to that, supporting him from an FSU perspective. In Pretty Las cool. Las Vegas, right? Yes. So they, they went, uh, they saw Nicholson in California, went to Vegas, and then I believe they flew to New Bern, North Carolina to see KJ Sampson. Then they went to Virginia to see Cam Robinson. And then they end up in the middle of America the next morning. This is all the about always 24, sunny 36 hour period. The, the always sunny gif of Charlie. Yeah, just the cords are running all across the United States. Pepe Sylvia, this name keeps coming up over and over again. Every day, Pepe's mail is getting sent back to me. Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. I look at the mail with well, this whole box is Pepe Sylvia. Day before they saw Blake Nicholson, I believe they were uh, in the Mississippi area. We know they saw um, Isaac Smith, who's going to LSU this weekend for his official. He was at FSU a few weeks ago for the Florida game. They also saw Quindarius Jones over the weekend while they were in that area. They saw a Juco game, which Zach reported on when they were there. Mike Norvell was at that Juco game. Last week when they were first at it, they saw Sam Singleton and uh, Kentron Kirkland in Jacksonville. So they've really put in a lot of work of seeing a lot of the commitments while also seeing some of the top targets. We know they've seen Jaheim Bell, for example, Braden Fist, for example. I'm trying to think what other transfers uh, that – Assistant coaches have seen about everybody. We're talking Mike Norvell right now with these coaching visits. I think that's about everybody. Am I forgetting anybody that can think of off the top of your heads? Not off the top of my head. I mean, that's pretty comprehensive. And yeah, I mean, provi- we know, provides a but, decent glimpse of what they're doing. But don't know that Norvell saw like Byers, Jeremiah Byers, uh, transfer offensive lineman who's we, coming in this weekend. We but know that Alex we Atkins know did. Alex Atkins did. Same with uh, Roddick, the Colorado transfer who's supposed to be at NC State this weekend. We know that Alex Atkins saw him. So there's a matter of keeping him in your back pocket, trying to get that last Norvell in home, and that's coming next week. I think we're going to see that quite a bit. Um, you know, yeah, he, he's working his backside off. They'll be back in Tallahassee today. Officials start hitting the ground, and they run. And then when officials leave on Sunday, they're going to be right back on the road. You know, I think they're seeing Boots, Lamont, Lamont Green uh, Jr. on Sunday evening, I believe, is going to see Mike Norvell. So that just kind of speaks to the fact that, yeah, right back at it. All right, get out of here. Go tell Ham we said hi. See we'll you later. See you, gentlemen. See you on the bench. Peace. Is he really leaving us to go do a Zoom interview with Coach Ham? Yes. <laughs> Why are you surprised? I'm not. All right, should we talk about Norma William now? Yes. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Let's get back into this now. All right, Zach, so we have eight official visitors that we're expecting this weekend, uh, but maybe we just talk about seven for right now? Yeah. Let's okay. do that. All right. Let's get into the high school. Uh, well, yeah, let's start off with high school players first. And we will go with Edwin Joseph, who I think is already in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. The three-star cornerback from Shamanad Madonna prep in Hollywood, Florida, become a super high priority for the Seminoles. But why, why is he already here? You can explain this, I think, in a, in a way that makes sense to people. Yeah. So he, I mean, it's not really that difficult. He took no, it's the, complicated. Uh, he had a state championship game last night, which they won. Shamanah Madonna versus Clearwater Central Catholic. They came out on top in that game. 
he left that game and went immediately to his official visit hotel um, where all, you know, his graphics and all the food was laid out for him um, last night. And then he'll begin his uh, official visit activities on FSU's campus on Friday today. Sorry, I, I maybe meant to say, like, why is it significant that he's here in Tallahassee and officially visiting this weekend uh, as opposed to, like, I'll just say it. I'll, I'll say it myself. <laughs> wow. I'm, not, I'm not setting you up very well here. I thought, you were totally to, yeah, I thought you were trying to say, why is he here, like, based on like his uh, state championship? I mean, no, that, that makes sense. But it's significant because you're talking about a truncated schedule for the young man right now in the final stretch of December. He's playing for a state championship this weekend. It just so happens that some of the state championship games are in Tallahassee this year and some are in South Florida. Uh, so his, this being in Tallahassee is a super uh, fortuitous and just beneficial development for FSU. Uh, that, that's because you have other schools, uh, schools that are like Louisville, Auburn, right? Are those are the, the two, Zach? Yeah, Louisville, Auburn. Um, he's taken a couple visits elsewhere, but those are the main two competitors. And, and so what's interesting about this is those two schools, one very strong in the NIL game, so you're always going to have to be uh, head on a swivel. Uh, and both had coaching changes and both could offer up second official visits and additional trips to their respective campuses with their coaching changes. Why this is important that he's here in Tallahassee this weekend is next weekend, Edwin Joseph's team will play for a national championship or uh, something in, in those lines, like a national game. And so time's running out here and you get him in your hometown for an official visit that just so happened to coincide with the high school playoff game. That's extremely fortuitous for FSU. I think that's significant. That's a big reason why I put in a crystal ball for him the other day. I think it kind of eliminates uh, your main competitors as long as he doesn't go anywhere like midweek or something like that, which probably not if he's practicing for a national championship, right? Right. Yeah. No, I think it's huge. Nice. So uh, good things happening there with FSU. We really like Edwin Joseph. He's been really good at cornerback this year. Guy could play multiple spots, I think, but but defense, cornerback, yes, that, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about big dog, top 100 recruit, probably the biggest uh, name in terms of high school visitors this weekend, and that's Ruben Bain from Miami. He's at Miami Central, 73rd rate player in the country. Defense lineman who, uh, frankly, could probably play multiple positions on the defense line, but we'll say defensive end right now. Uh, Zach, what's the latest on Ruben Bain, and, and why is this a, a big weekend for FSU with him? Yeah, so things kind of shifted in his recruitment over the past week. He told reporters, um, you know, several times that he uh, it seems like he's down to Florida State and Miami. Uh, there's a couple other schools involved, Louisville, Auburn, and Alabama. Two of those have you know, obviously had coaching changes, like we mentioned. But yeah, Bain, it seems like Bain's down to the two in-state schools, which he will visit over the next two weekends. So Florida State gets a, a crack at him this weekend, and then Miami will host him next weekend. He has set a decision date for this coming Friday, December 16th. I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But for this weekend, um, you know, I know Florida State's been been working really hard in this recruitment. They got a lot of connections in South Florida. They've been trying to using uh, to to you know kind of help their chances with Bain leading up to this, and they will continue continue to use you know afterwards and, and into his decision. Uh, I think FSU has a decent shot. Right now, I wouldn't predict them to land him. Um, I think Miami is probably the favorite 
um, in my eyes uh, for, for him right now. Um, but that doesn't mean FSU's out of it. Um, I think he's definitely taking a look at FSU. His family's taking a look at FSU. Um, there's several factors to this recruitment, but this official visit could be pivotal in, in you know, sh- sh- shaping things over the next week. Sorry, I'm Kid, getting a little excited. Kid show. Okay. Go, Brennan. What were you oh, going to say? I don't know. I was, was going to agree with you. Yeah, no, this is a big – This, yeah, no, it's a good way to start a sentence. This is a big weekend for Ruben Payne's recruitment, and this is this is the the potential to turn the tide, if you will. So, yeah, it's a big one. Anything else you want to say on him before we get to the the surprise? Vi- well, no, not the surprise visitor. Um, a surprise visitor. Are we talking about said surprise visitor? I just asked if there was anything else you wanted to discuss with Ruben Payne before we moved on to. Oh, um, no, I think uh, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I don't. You know, I don't know, you know, with his decision being on Friday, December 16th, that means he's taking an official visit to Miami after making this decision, which would be kind of weird if he committed to Florida State and then immediately and took an OV to Miami. Uh, very, so very, know. very South Florida, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, you need to make sure he doesn't take that official visit to Miami. I think that's yeah, the if you land him, yeah. yeah, that's I mean, that's what this is going to come down to. Okay, so let's talk about the surprise visitor, a, a surprise visitor, if you will, that Chris Nee was able to confirm on Tuesday. He is currently committed to Virginia. That is three-star linebacker Cameron Robinson from the state of Virginia. I got the FSU's been in on for a while, but it seems like it is really escalating here in the last month or so, maybe even shorter time than that. And the reason why it was a surprise, Zach, was because we weren't expecting him this weekend, right? Yeah, he was originally supposed to come next weekend that was the plan he did an in-home visit with mike norvell i believe it was yesterday right uh, everything's merging together just because of how much news has been been broken on all 24 7 but chris reported that that after the in-home with with norvell they shifted things and, and looking to bring him in this weekend so i got some details on this recruitment i can confirm that cam robinson who's actually a four-star um brendan in the 24 7 rankings the oh i was just looking at the, i was just looking yeah. at the composite yeah. i'm sorry shame on you um, he's a badass by the way dane yeah, loves his, him chris loves him yeah, so wa- watch that tape um he, he's a bruiser too um and i think uh you know I, I confirmed he is a take for florida state at the linebacker position which is interesting because they already have two committed um but they're definitely looking to add cameron robinson down the stretch I think that's why you, you, they saw him, you know, they, they want to get him on campus as soon as possible. He's already used his official visit to Virginia. Um, he, that happened over the summer. From what I've been told, uh, there's some concerns just, you know, in the family about um, yeah, basically they're looking at other schools. Um, the, 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 his commitment to Virginia is not 100% solid. That staff was not 100% in the know of what was going on as far as his plans this weekend. That um, is a key point, Zach. That, yeah. that makes me want to drop a crystal ball right now. Ooh, show pick? Show Should I do pick. it? Show, show pick. pick. Show pick. All right, I'm doing it. Let's go. Show pick submitted. Wow. Wow. I hate crystal balls. Um, But I think uh, I think this is a big visit. Um, like it appears Florida State's trying to add another linebacker to this class. And I think this guy, Cam Robinson, could be the dude. Um, he is, you know, it's interesting because I, I talked to someone um, familiar with his recruitment uh, over the summer at Virginia and, and his commitment there. He basically chose Virginia over Virginia Tech. 
in which I'm told um, the mom, you know, didn't really like Virginia Tech. Um, and Tennessee was another school that tried to get involved. But apparently at the time, the location, you know, with it being farther from home than the, the in-state schools for him, he's from the state of Virginia. Um, that wasn't an appealing option. So it's interesting that Florida State has kind of emerged, even though, you know, that might that might be even farther of a distance. So um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I don't think he's going to make a decision over the weekend from what I was told. Um, apparently that family is not you know, fans of, of making like an emotional decision based on a visit. They kind of want to let things settle and then come to a smart decision. So I'm not expecting the, a flip over the weekend. But like Brennan said, this things are trending trending in a great way. Um, and I think a crystal ball is reasonable, even though I won't put one in because I don't want to jinx it. Um, thanks, Brennan, if you jinx it. Um, and I think, uh, I think FSU sits in a good spot. I once had a crystal ball help FSU close on a linebacker prospect we'll talk about that one day so maybe i'm just saying maybe don't don't say i'm jinxing it maybe say i'm helping it the reverse jinx oh yeah i'm like a rabbit's foot i gotta start uh, putting in crystal balls for other schools to jinx them oh that's a good idea ruben bain to miami crystal ball soon come yeah all right Ten so options. let's okay, let's talk about the final four official visitors that we can talk about right now they are transfer portal prospects three bees in kyle morlock do we want to start with the, the killer bees or do we want to get into kyle morlock first morlock morlock um, morlock do you think he's a yeah. morlock to the seminoles I, I don't know yet um i don't think he's he's in a rush to decide based on you know what what brennan's kind of told me about what he's hearing on the recruitment um so i think uh i don't know i think this visit's huge he's already been on FSU's campus on an unofficial, which I think could be the difference here, honestly. If I'm looking at this recruitment, um, that was his only game day experience he's going to get uh, throughout his transfer portal recruitment. He and a hell, a hell of experience at that too, yeah, right? Uh, at the UF game. Um, he entered the portal towards the end of November because he is an FCS transfer, so they were able to enter a few weeks earlier than the FBS players that did um, this past Monday on December 5th. And he immediately took a visit to Florida State that week uh, of when he entered the portal for the UF game. Um, did not elect to do an interview after that visit, but told me he had scheduled an OB to Florida State for this weekend. That is still on. He's still expected in. Um, and, and it should be a big weekend for him. Um, he, you know, Florida State's looking to add clearly um, at least a body or two in the tight end room um, via the portal. And Morlock, along with another guy we're going to mention in a bit, are the top options. Um, and and Morlock is a dude, man. He's six seven. Um, he's got legit size, and he's a guy that you know doesn't have insane production at the FCS level, but you see everything that you need there um, in his game on his tape. And I think that Florida State would be really excited to land a guy like Kyle Morlock. At the Division Two level, not even FCS, he's the rare Division Two recruit who becomes a national commodity. Wow. It's kind of cool. Transfer portal is fun. It's been tough because, as Zach mentioned, getting Kyle Morlock on on the phone or to interview is something that I don't think anyone has done. Yeah, uh, correct. So, so you have to go through a lot of. Yeah, he told me maybe he'll talk after this visit. That's okay. what he, yeah. After he told me at the UF game, so. We'll so see. if it if it happens, it'd be like a unicorn, guys. So like really lean into the the article that Zach or Chris will post on that, uh, or Dane, or me. There will be a lot of us on the bench this week. In addition to covering, how are we going to fit practice. everyone on the bench? 
Someone's sitting on Chris's lap. HR, not get it. involved. Not it. <laughs> seems Dane. like a Dane, seems like a Dane gig. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dane is laying across the three of us with his like his hand under his head, looking adorable. I think that's that's the play. But yeah, this is a big weekend for Kyle Morlock. Uh, as Zach mentioned, you get the two trips for him, the two visits, including the game day experience. That's big, consistent feedback that we've gotten is that Tennessee is the team. Well, I don't want to say the team to beat is the team you're contending with. I think it's FSU Tennessee. I think a lot of people think it'll be Tennessee because of location proximity. Uh, Knoxville is closer to where he's at in North Georgia than Tallahassee is. I think that there's some like travel issues for his family. We're getting, getting to and from like long trips may not be the easiest thing in the world. Uh, so if that's the case, that makes sense. Um, but uh, there's obviously other factors as well. He he wants to do an engineering degree. Uh, I'm not sure if like credit wise, like that'll that's something that's easy to to do right away for any of the schools he goes to. But that's something to kind of weigh in this process. So talking about academics is going to be a huge part for FSU during this official visit. I'm sure he will spend a lot of time with academic advisors and professors, uh, things like that. So we'll see what FSU can specifically do there. Uh, it is noteworthy that Tennessee did add a tight end transfer commitment from out in California. I'm blanking on his name right now, but they added him the other day. Yeah, the UC Davis kid. Yeah, who Dane? I think Dane liked him. Uh, he's productive at the FCS level. But uh, does that eliminate them from Kyle Morlock? I don't think no. so. I mean, FSU. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, so no. I uh, uh, I checked with the Tennessee our Tennessee guy um, Ryan Callahan mm-hmm. um, over at the the Tennessee two four seven site. And he let me know that they're looking to probably add two out of the transfer portal at tight end. So they're stuck. Yeah. So, so I think it is important, and we'll get to the next visitor now here, is that this at least Tennessee going with a tight end in the portal, it won't be a competitive disadvantage that you're going for two tight ends in the portal. You won't you won't be able to have Tennessee say, hey, you're the only guy that – you're not one and only. That's not what's happened here. Because FSU is going after – Jaheem Bell. South Carolina transfer, um, who's not just a tight end, honestly. He's an athlete. He does everything. Yeah, we'll call him a tight end, but that's probably not the the appropriate description. I'm interested to see if FSU does end up getting him what they put him on the roster as. I mean, he 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 had more rushing yards than he did receiving yards this year. He yeah, I mean, he he played games mainly at running back for like I, I believe four out of the whatever 12 games they played. So part of that was out of like necessity. Uh, but he he was a guy who could, you can get the ball to running as a running back or jet sweeps, whatever, even when he was like as a more traditional tight end. But I'm at H back. He actually like takes he does some vertical stuff. Zach sent a clip yesterday of him beating uh Tony Grimes, UCF, UCF, UNC, U, UNC cornerback. I got UCF corners on the mind. Uh, spoiler alert um and and beat him vertically one-on-one so like yeah there's a lot to to jaheim bell's game that is or jaheim bell as uh twitter is apparently saying i don't understand Dude, I, what's happening there I, I don't know i this is his the addition of jaheim bell would excite me so much honestly like he yeah i watched south carolina like a decent bit over the past few years and he just consistently shows out um and i don't think they even utilized him as well as norvell would um, in this offense, which is what excites me so much about, you know, poss- the possibility of adding him. The initial like intel when he entered the portal was like, yes, FSU would be interested, but there are going to be some SEC schools that you're going to have to battle against. Uh, expect like Florida to get in on it uh, for him, which makes sense because he he's or like he played high school ball at Valdosta, but he's from Lake City, which is about what 30, 40 minutes from Gainesville. 
Um, thought that maybe Georgia, depending on like what happens with their tight end room and guys going pro potentially like could be in the mix, maybe like Ole Miss, Auburn, some other teams that, that we had heard. Yeah. Um, but you're, you are in pole position right now for him. He is officially visiting you this weekend, which is huge. And what I've got indications on Zach is that Jaheim Bell wants to make a quick decision, which isn't out of the ordinary for, for transfers. Uh, so you go into this weekend, if you're FSU, I think you have to have the approach of closing time. Like we have, he has to leave here a commitment and ready to enroll in a few weeks. Uh, so you don't let this drag out and let other teams get involved. He's, he's what the third highest ranked guy in our transfer portal rankings right now. I mean, he's, he is a priority of yeah. the utmost degree. He's a 94 grade in the, in the 24 seven sports transfer ratings, number one tight end in the country, number three overall at last check. They're still updating those rankings. Um, so that could change, but that's what his current ranking is. So I talked to the source on this um, regarding other schools involved. USC, Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Nebraska have expressed a lot of interest in the last couple of days. But I was told when I asked whether any of those teams were heavily in the mix, they the, the person I spoke with said that they wouldn't say that the, those teams are, are heavily in the mix. So okay. I, I think FSU is in a really good spot here. And this weekend – is crucial for them. I think they it'd be a really, really good thing for them to close out on this recruitment over the weekend is if you let it, you know, linger and let him go and take other visits, then things get could get interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you want to put some finality to this. And I think with Norvell's decision to go see him on uh, yesterday, um, go visit with Jaheim in Carolina. I reported that on Nulls 24 seven. I think that kind of tells you what, FSU's plan is here. You know, Norvell would like likely not want to uh, burn his in-home visit, his one that he can use per prospect for the entire um, contact period, which runs, you know, the rest of the month and, and into uh, January um, right now, if they didn't feel really good about trying to close out on him this weekend. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's what FSU wants to do. Um, and right now, early indications seem like they pr have a pretty decent chance of doing that. Let's move to UCF cornerback Devontae Brown. He is officially visiting this weekend. Dane Draper broke that news on Thursday morning. I can't. I don't remember. even know anymore. But yes, it's, Dane it's broke it. Fever, fever, fever dream of the utmost uh, degree right now. I've used utmost <laughs> twice, and I don't know if you used it correctly in either the last two minutes. So let's the talk Thursday about. Thursday felt like a Friday. Thursday felt like a Friday. Monday felt like uh, the most Monday day ever tuesday wednesday have just felt like mondays again i think i don't know yeah, anyways weird. people don't want to know about how much we were we've been working they want to hear about Devonte brown ucf cornerback transfer who is noteworthy the older brother of damari brown a coveted cornerback for uh the seminoles for alabama for miami uh, i think alabama is currently leading there miami's probably second and fsu i think is, is a somewhat distant third Maybe if you get Devontae Brown in the fold, that closes the gap. But Zach, I'm told going into this that it is not a, a package deal type of thing. FSU likes Devontae Brown on uh, on his own merit because he's a three-year starter with a lot of production, good size, and familiarity with his coaching staff. Yeah, um, I spoke to Devontae actually, um, I believe it was Wednesday night, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, 
and he's a well-spoken dude. He we 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 just talked mainly about what's going on in his recruitment. He said FSU is basically the only school he's considering visiting right now. Um, that's you know I asked him kind of uh, you know his decision timeline. He said he wants to make a decision sometime in December because he's obviously going to enroll at his next stop in January. Um, going to visit FSU this weekend, and I mentioned kind of the. the ability for him to maybe play with his brother at the next level and he said that's definitely something that's on the table considering you know both guys assumingly have offers from florida state um you know like you said uh florida state's probably not in the leading pack for damari brown but they're still involved and you know they posted him for an ov already um i don't expect damari to join Devonte on this visit visit based on what i was told um, I think Devontae is probably taking this either with his family or by himself. Um, so, yeah, which is which is not out of the ordinary for a transfer guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's played multiple years at the college level. I think, what, two, over 2,000 snaps, someone said. Um, so I think uh, I think I, I, I like Devontae on his own. I think the experience, at, you know, playing corner is really, uh, you know, valuable. Um, and, you know, the quality of team obviously is different. Uh, at UCF than than FSU. What? Uh, sorry, Brendan. Um, what? But but it is this national championship mug says otherwise. Uh, fake national championship mug, and I think uh, I think he'd be a quality addition for FSU if they decided to to want to add him to to the transfer class. Um, they need help at DB. Um, you know, not as much help at corner that, than at safety, I believe. Um, but you know, I think uh, getting some some help aside from Renardo Green, there's a lot of young guys in that room. Know, some other some older guys that you think that can you know that have been improving like a Jerrion Jones for instance um you want to see Duke Cooper make a return kind of come back to his freshman form but I think adding a, an older guy in that room would only help kind of um, bring along some of the young depth and also you know challenge some of the older guys on the roster for for a starting role so yeah I like Devontae Brown a good bit um, and I think you know the possibility of adding him and maybe playing your cards right to try and uh, make a late run at at his younger brother Damari would be a cool um, you know b- move for FSU. Be a little cherry on top. Yeah, Devontae Brown has nearly two thousand career snaps, so that experience is important. His PFF grades in twenty twenty when Randy Shannon was his defensive coordinator, uh, so that's that's noteworthy. Sixty six point five PFF grade, which is replacement level starting cornerback. Last year it was eighty two point three, which is uh, that's awesome. Wow. And then this past year sixty four point seven. So low end is replacement level. High end is someone who who could come in and be a starting cornerback at a high level in the ACC. Probably um, he only allowed forty eight percent completion percentage this past year. Uh, NFL passer rating of seventy five when targeting him the year before sixty two point one. So like, listen, there there is a lot to like about Devonte Brown. He's got six good size at six foot two, 185. Like, yes, like this is someone who can come in and help out. And uh, you will never turn down a cornerback at, at Florida state. I think, especially in the ACC, so many spread offenses, you need to have five or six guys that you trust uh, throughout the course of a season to get through a season. So that would be big for Florida state. Let's get to the final official visitor that we could talk about right now. And that is UTEP offensive lineman, Jeremiah Byers, big fan of his game. Someone that we've, been talking about for a few weeks now he entered the transfer portal uh officially i think it was on monday and uh and he had a offer pretty quickly afterwards uh, did he 
Mike, Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell both talked to him on the phone on, on Monday. He put out a, a social media that he had a an offer from FSU. Uh, within a day or two later, Alex Atkins was visiting him in a home and an official visit was set up. Uh, to my knowledge, it's the only official visit he has set up right now. We'll see. Penn State just offered the other day, Oklahoma. So his recruitment continues to to heat up. I mean, you watch the, the tape and like, yeah, there's no doubt that he is a, a power five level player that would be offered by a lot of teams. Are you sure he has an offer? I would say today, as of today, he definitely has a a scholarship offer. Um, okay, good. That's what I thought too. I had, to when all that happened on Monday, I was like, I, I needed to check around and and yeah, we confirmed that yes, it was an offer. I also spoke to someone that said we would quote unquote be lucky to have him. I don't want to get into semantics on was this a verbal offer? Was this a committable offer? Like uh, the FSU. FSU was trending in a position to possibly add Jeremiah Byers in its class aggressively. We'll see if that's how that goes this weekend. I've been told that he wants to make a quick decision. Uh, again, I, he, he's become kind of quiet after initially being kind of responsive and, and being willing to talk about stuff on record. Uh, so we'll see if there's anything else in the plans for him. I think usually when a guy kind of buttons up, that, that tends to be a good sign. But man, I, I think they're in a good spot for Jeremiah Byers right now. To, to get the first weekend of official visits is is huge. If that becomes his only weekend of official visits, obviously that's, I mean, it's more than huge. It means you, you got him. So we'll see what happens. Going into this weekend, covering this optimistically, Zach, I really like his game. He is a big physical, I mean, talk about like 6'5", 330 pounds, right tackle at, at the Conference USA level, an all-Conference USA performer, but someone that you could maybe put him in at guard and you think about the way FSU holes its guards and, and how big of a part of that is in, in their power running game, their counter game. He moves extremely well and gets to the second level at, at a high rate. Uh, yeah. He, he can do some things in the run game for you. He's a plug and play starter. I'm not entirely sure where it gives you options though. If you end up getting him uh, that, that would be a big get for the Seminoles. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I think, I think he'd be an awesome addition. Um, a guy that I project as a guard for FSU, you know, based on kind of what you were talking about, really athletic, um, can can play inside and, and has experience at right tackle. So, you know, we like we know FSU likes the versatility of their offensive linemen to be able to play multiple positions um, because of what, you know, usually happens in a, in a season with some injuries. Um, it's really important to have that versatility with some of your guys like Darius Washington on the roster already. Um, but, yeah, I think buyers, adding by, a guy like Byers would be huge um, as FSU looks to only improve along their offensive line. This coming season. Byers Sinone, uh, who, if you had to say one, I guess the Byers Sinone, I was just trying to make a joke. That format's not going to work here. As we wrap this up, Zach, if you had to say FSU gets one commitment from a transfer this weekend, who do you think it is? Who would you put your money on? I'm going Jaheim Bell. I think I would go Jaheim Bell as well. I know it's boring for both of us wow. to to, probably, Ooh, to, to agree with each other. I mean, I think I think you can go with any of the Bs, honestly. I think Jeremiah Byers, you have a, a decent chance at. Uh, I think Jaheim Bell, you have a great chance at. And I think with Devontae Brown, you have a very good chance with. So I, I would probably go in the order of Jeremiah Bell, Devontae Brown, and then Byers. But I, I think that you're also probably uh, – they're all tiered together in my estimation. Can we just call him Kyle Borlock? For the four Bs? Ooh, I don't get it. All right, let's wrap this thing up. All right, so this week 
We will have extensive coverage, well, this weekend, I should say, of the official visits and giving you all the intel that we can possibly get. They start here on Friday. Chris is about to go on the bench. Zach will be there not long after, and I will join them not too long after as well. Uh, in addition to all the transfer and prep recruiting information we're going to have, FSU also has three practices for its bowl game coming up at the end of the month too. So we will have coverage of bowl season. We'll be covering everything, all the uh, auxiliary parts of the program, athletic program as well. I mean, there's just a ton going on. So Knowles 24-7 will be your one-stop shop if you want all information at Florida State Athletics. We really appreciate it. We've had a ton of signups and subscriptions in the last week or so. Want to shout out our like current subscribers for being vocal and telling people like, hey, check out Knowles 24-7. It's second to none. I truly believe that. I'm really confident in what we're putting out there. I love the staff I work with. This has been a ton of fun. It's been exhausting, uh, but but I think we're seeing hard work kind of paying off uh, for the way we cover this team. And, and that's largely because the hard work the staff is, is putting together uh, on the recruiting trail and on the field is, has made it easy. There's stuff to cover. There's fun stuff to cover. So uh, check out Knowles 24-7 throughout the weekend. Please, if you're not subscribed, if you've been on the fence, if you're one of the eight to 10 to 12,000, Listeners, we get every single week when we do this podcast or every single episode, I should say, and you're not subscribed to Knowles 24-7, please consider it. It's not a ton of money and you get all this information uh, in depth earlier. Like that's that's the place to go is Knowles24-7.com. So for Zach Blostein, for Chris Nee, Dane Draper, Brett Nevitt, Kevin Little, Trey Rowland, Coach AB, <sighs> I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been On the Bench. We appreciate you guys listening to the bitter end here. I'll talk to you next week. Cameron Robinson from the Virginia uh, Tappahannock area. I think that's close to like Virginia Beach. But anyways, um, he's from uh, uh, three, two, one. I'm going to cut all this out, Zach. Three. I was awful there. Awful. Awful, Brendan. What time? You get, time to, cut it, you get to cut that out, but yeah. my little stutter is fine. Yep. What? Well, I completely derailed it. It wasn't just that I stuttered. Right, so I took us nowhere. What time stamp are we? 5150. So sassy. I want to <clears throat> go. I want. I, I got to do stuff. Oh, you think you're the only one that has stuff to do? Three, two, one. Yes. Wait, where do I want to start with this? Brennan's <laughs> annoying me. Can, can we, Brennan, let's go. Hurry up. The people need to stop waiting. Come on, let's go.